Let me guess, you signed up for every free lead magnet and binged on every marketing YouTube video and thought, what am I missing? Why isn't my business exploding like that? Well, I can tell you, you're not alone. Whether you're just getting started or have an established business, entrepreneurship can be really lonely, but it doesn't have to be. Overcoming your fear of launching or building your personal brand or figuring out how to scale, it shouldn't be holding you back. It should be empowering you. On this podcast, we're going to deep dive into the mechanics of what it takes to build your brand, make your mark, and stake your claim in the digital marketing space. I'll be chatting with people from all walks of life and stages in their careers. I will be getting inspiration from real experts who will share their actual strategies and techniques to grow loyal and raving followings and sell more stuff. This is entrepreneurship from people who are already there making it happen. My name is Jeff Mendelson. Join me and welcome to the One Big Tip Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. My name is Jeff Mendelson, and this is the One Big Tip Podcast. And today, I am really pleased to have with me on the line, Ian Murphy. Ian is the founder and CEO of Moxie Bookkeeping and Consulting. And what's really cool about this, one of the reasons why I'm really endeared here is because she talks all about profit first. So I'm going to let her explain it better than I can. What Ian does is that she helps small businesses and creatives manage their books without complicated software, spreadsheets, or even jargon, which I think is something that a lot of us really need. So Ian, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. This is going to be a lot of fun today. Can you tell me a little bit about who you are and how you got into not only the bookkeeping, but also the coaching part of helping small businesses, you know, get their books done? Yes. Well, let me start by telling you, I was not born a bookkeeper. Uh, I went to college and got a liberal arts degree. And it turned out that with uh, a whole lot of time, not a whole lot of marketable skills, So I uh, took some odd jobs. I worked as a temp for a while in offices and I bartended and just tried to kind of live my life. And unfortunately, the foundation of all of that was that I was financially illiterate and I didn't know it. I'd come from a kind of standard, you know, middle-class family where we always had enough, but not too much. But money was just something that you didn't talk about. And so as a result of that, I didn't know how to read any of the warning signs that were presenting themselves to me that I was under earning. I mean, I knew that I couldn't make my bills every month, but if I'd ask for a raise, I'd be told, oh, we can't afford that. Or if I had a bad night, you know, where there was no tips or if I changed jobs or changed apartments or had any kind of um, unusual expense, it just pushed me further and further into debt until I was tens of thousands of dollars in debt by my mid-20s. Uh, And I ended up declaring bankruptcy, which was a big wake up call. (laughs) And I laugh about it now, but it was incredibly painful at the time. It felt like I'd broken my word, which was very important to me. I like to think of myself as someone with integrity. And so I began this kind of lifelong journey from that point to learn as much as I can about how money works and why it works better for some than for others. And um, it turned out that one of my skills was bookkeeping, partly because it's the only place in life that I've ever found achievable perfection, right? The books are either right or they're not. Two plus two only ever equals four. And if you get something other than four, you just got to go back and be like, oh, that's because I wrote two as three instead and fix it. So that was huge. And I 
you know, was sort of getting paid to learn about how money works in a small business context and, and in my own personal context as well. And, you know, every kind of step that I would master, my, you know, my small business would grow from freelance to an actual business. And I'd be asked a new question by a client that I just didn't know the answer to that would drive me crazy. And I'd have to go find that answer. Um, and, and so that, you know, sort of carried on until about five years ago when a client introduced me to this book, Profit First. And when I first read it, I was like, I don't get it. Why wouldn't you just look at your reports? Until I realized that that simple system was the system that I was using in my personal life to have recovered from bankruptcy and avoid debt again. That 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 was the system that let me set it and forget it and be able to only check a couple of quick data points to be like, yeah, I'm fine. Let me go back to trying to figure out how money works, not realizing that I already sort of had the answer sitting in my backyard. And so it just changed the way that, that our business works. And that's how we became, you know, and coaching on this Moxie bookkeeping thing. Let's define this for the audience, you know, just yes. in case, you know, because not everyone has heard about Profit First. I can tell you that because like uh, every time I change banking relationships, I'm always explaining to the banker, you know, or the person that's signing me up. It's like, why do you need 10 bank accounts again? You know, yeah. so you kind of have, you know, but you know, you're going to get fees on all of these. Right. And I'm like, well, okay. So uh, can you, uh, can you give us like the one minute version of what profit first is and Absolutely. why it is so amazing, especially for small businesses? Yeah. And I, you know, this is going to segue right into the the one big tip, which is, you know, what it comes down to, it's essentially the envelope system where you give every dollar a job and you give every dollar a home. And so what that means is you can now use that natural inclination of yours to wake up every morning and check your bank balance on your phone. And it will actually mean something because you don't have to back calculate from that, oh, right, but payroll's about to clear and, oh, right, my annual insurance bill's about to come due and, oh, right, estimated taxes are about to happen, that because the money is separated out by purpose, you are intentionally and specifically setting aside profit, which isn't just profit, right? That's growth, stability, emergency fund. Um, it, It funds your purpose. You know, profit has become such a leftover word, even in our reports, right? Income less expenses equals profits. It's the crumbs at the bottom of the barrel. And so the system of profit first just flips that and says, no, 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 no. It should be income less profit equals expenses. And by separating out the profit and, you know, money for taxes and money for your owner's pay, you can then have a very natural budget that doesn't take any spreadsheets to do to say, when I get new money in, I'm only allocating 30, 40% to my overhead costs. So when I look at my operating bank balance, that's what I can afford. And if that's, you know, cutting it real close to what I uh, am obligated to pay each month, then I'm blowing the budget. And I need to really get creative about cutting back expenses in a way that doesn't harm the delivery of my service. So I can tell you from the flip side, right, from someone who actually implements this, right, it is so refreshing, right, to know that, let's say, for example, I have payroll, right, and I know not only do I have to pay these people, you know, their base amount, but then I have to pay the income taxes, the federal, state, and whatever taxes for them. And when I fund that particular account ahead of time, that I know how much I'm going to be paying 
for payroll. I more or less know how much I'm going to be paying for taxes. And as soon as I get that out of my hair as soon as possible, it's literally set it and forget it, right? And when you do that with recurring expenses, when you do that with, you know, some of the hard expenses and just, you know, like it's pretty easy to like keep a calendar or, you know, like of when, you know, you know, the 25th of the month, you know, Netflix is going to take out, you know, $19 or whatever, right? So that just makes it a lot easier to think about because the way most people run their businesses and their, you, you know, and this is also very prevalent in their personal life is that you have one checking account and one savings account, right? You know, you get paid, you know, at the end of the month, you have $5,000 in the account and you're like, I'm rich going to Disney, right? And then you realize like, you know, four days later, you're, you know, you're negative $200. And it's like, well, how the hell did that happen? Well, you know, you didn't exactly plan for it, right? You didn't, uh, you didn't calculate it, right? You for, you forgot about that $500 car payment or whatever it was. And it just makes things so, it makes things cleaner, right? It just makes things okay. like really, you know, just really clean. In your experience, what has been the net result? Like, uh, you, you know, first of all, you need to convince a business owner like, hey, I need you to open up eight more bank accounts, right? But what has been the net result of after you, you know, get them to find the profit first religion, they actually implement it. And then like, what do you see afterwards in terms of profitability and, you know, the business owner's sanity? I see the profitability all over the place. In my own experience, when I decided to try it before I really, you know, buckled down into it because I read it, it made sense, but I like to break things before I try to convince anyone else to buy them. I was able to double my own take-home pay. And to me, that was like shocking because again, I'm a bookkeeper. I'm in my own books all the time. I'm a very frugal person, but it just shone a light on this habit that I had where at the end of the month or the quarter or the year, I had money left over. And so I'd go, ooh, what do I want to do with it? Do I want to go to another convention? Do I want to you know, upgrade the computers? And I was thinking of ways, without realizing it, to turn my profit into expense. And so instead of saying, no, I as the owner should be taking home X amount of money for the work that I do in the business, and I should be taking home a profit distribution, then when I was looking at, should I take this next online course? Should I, you know, spend money on whatever? It was very, it was a very clear and intentional choice. Where is this money going to come from if I do it? And the answer that year was, well, it would come out of my owner's pay account because everything else is already accounted for. And I go, I don't, I don't want to give up my own, you know, I would actually rather take that home. And the fact that I, that I doubled that with, with nothing but uh, attention, right? I mean, it wasn't like we brought in t- double the money on that. Uh, that was what sold me. And so I've seen everything from those similar experiences with clients. I've seen profit increases in the, in the double digits almost every time, sometimes into the triple digits. But more than that, it's that piece of sanity that you're talking about. Because I definitely have some clients where there's no shift in profit. They're actually, they're actually running very well-run businesses. But instead of being intentional about this is for taxes, this is for my pay, this is for profit, they just drew that out into their personal savings and then would have to put it back in the business for tax time or put it back in the business for a major expense or, or whatever it was. And so simply by, and that's why that's my one big tip, by simply giving every dollar a job and every dollar a home, 
they now had this depth of clarity that just let them relax finally in their business and say, I know exactly what's happening and I'm confident in what I can afford. Amazing. That's amazing advice. As a bookkeeper though, right? We were talking about this a little bit in the pre-call. Like every once in a while, I go and I price other bookkeepers and other accountants, you know, things like that. And, you know, and just to see whether, you know, like, you know, uh, who's more or less expensive than my current account, right? And usually what I find is a lot of bookkeepers charge by the number of accounts that they need to manage, right? Now, that immediately doesn't work for us profit first people, right? Because it's like, well, I have 10 accounts. Like, what are you going to do? You're going to charge me $300 a month times 10? Like, no, that's, that's, you know, that's not a bookkeeper. That's a, you know, that's a Wall Street CPA, right? So, <laughs> you know, from your perspective, when you're managing now eight accounts per client, right, versus one or two that they had before, how does that translate into the workload for you and your team? in terms of, you know, keeping all that straight. And then like, uh, like, how is that able to translate back to the level of service that you are giving, you know, to your clients? So the beautiful thing is it really doesn't add much time at all to our workload because other than your core operating expense account, everything else is transfers. So maybe you've got two or three transfers a month in each of those accounts but they don't need to be coded or, you know, labeled as income or expense. And again, most software these days, you can just set up rules. So, you know, in, in QuickBooks Online, you can even set it up to enter automatically. Like, hey, when you see transfer two and these last four digits, just enter that. So, you know, in some cases, it, it adds maybe 30 seconds per account for our workload. Like it's minimal. You know, I, I would also say that it's, and obviously I'm biased here, it's super important in my opinion to, to work with a bookkeeper that understands or an accountant that understands profit first, that we go through a very rigorous training program that looks at and addresses a bunch of different situations. And we have a community where we still come to each other, you know, to ask questions. And we talk to Mike directly at least once a month. So I think it's really important to, you know, you can, you can get a haircut from anybody, but you're going to get a really different haircut from someone that went to barber school versus, you know, someone who taught themselves. And that does not imply or guarantee quality, but you're certainly more likely to get a more professional result with someone who is a professional, if that makes sense. One thing I've always wanted to ask someone who practices profit first, is there any business that you can think of that this does not work for? No. And in fact, I was on a podcast a while ago for a, with a guy that was a, an angel investor. And he was like, well, at some point you don't have to worry about money. And I was like, what are you talking about? You know, like 15 million still has to last. And if you're not careful, you can blow through. I've seen companies blow through 15 million in months. And so you still have to have a plan. You still have to know how long this is going to last for. So I've seen it work not only for, you know, very small to very large businesses. I've seen it re work really well for evaluating a business to buy and trying to determine the actual worth of it, you know, because again, just because they've got a fat bottom line doesn't mean that the owner is getting paid well. 
doesn't mean that they have any kind of emergency savings, doesn't mean that they're actually profitable. I've seen it work for people who are just starting up to start on the right foot. You know, how do I know while I'm pre-revenue what's appropriate? And the answer is, well, who's covering the expenses until you become an earning business? Well, usually it's the owner themselves. Well, okay, well, how how much can you afford to put in? Use that as your income. And the percentages might be different because you don't have to, you know, save for taxes if you're not earning any money. But the habit should still be in there. The structure should still be in there. You know, I love that term pre-revenue, right? I, I think I heard it the first time on Shark Tank. And, you know, these guys were just like, oh, yeah, so you're not making money. You're, we're pre-revenue. And it's like, yeah, okay, so you didn't make a dollar yet. All right, so like we get it, right? But the fact of the matter is, you know, not every business needs to make a profit in order to, in order to create value, right? I mean, if you're creating a system that has managed to attract thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of users, but, you know, your cost for attending to those users still surpasses how much you're collecting from them, there is still a lot of innate value within those users that doesn't necessarily translate into revenue, at least under the current model that you have. Right. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't, uh, you know, don't really think about. Right. Because like, uh, you know, take the digital marketing agency model. You know, like we have a lot of uh, uh, we have a lot of fixed expenses, you know, like for project management software, for storage, you know, for data storage, data reporting type stuff. Right. And some of those tools can get quite pricey. So then it becomes a question of. Well, does one client pay for it or does two clients? Like how many clients do I need in order to surpass those hard, you know, those hard expenses and then really start to make a profit, really be able to scale up as opposed to just being able to stay, you know, like stay in your lane, service the same five guys and, you know, like you're good, right? Yeah. And again, you know, there's, if that's what you wanted to do, stay in your lane, serve the same five guys, fine, right? That I think there's a, the concept of the big enough business also often doesn't get talked about enough. People that have these sort of home-based businesses that, you know, what they're really trying to do is supplement their partner's income or, you know, just help their kids get through school or whatever it is, where again, it doesn't have to be a full-blown corporate endeavor, you know, that that you still need to manage the what's in, what's out and and spend your money in the wisest way possible and know again. What's, where's the money coming from to cover those expenses, whether it's sales, investment, or you. <laughs> exactly. Wow, that's, re- that, that's really cool. Thank you for sharing that. Can you please tell everyone where they can learn more about your company and how they can reach out to you directly if they want to learn more? Yeah, I mean, I'm uh, everywhere you'd expect me to be. So for sure, I'm on LinkedIn under my own name, Ian Price Murphy. Um, our company, Moxie Bookkeeping, has a website that you can go to. And we have a little freebie on there. What's it called right now? I think of it as, as keep more. It's the four simple steps of permanent profitability without selling your soul. That again, just sort of introduces the concept of, of profit first. We have a Facebook group. Just email me directly. You know, I, I love the conversation more than anything. And we've got groups all the time. Um, I always think of the profit first and the bookkeeping like beans and rice. Like they're great each on its own and you can do magical things with both of them. But when they come together, that's when things really get complete and amazing. So we do profit first, whether you use us for your bookkeeper or not. So if you have, if you're doing your own bookkeeping or you have a bookkeeper that you love, 
that's totally okay with us. We're still absolutely happy to work with Profit First. And if you have someone doing Profit First with you, then we're willing to do your bookkeeping, but we won't do your bookkeeping if you're not committed to the Profit First system because just you know, being on this side of the pandemic, it, it feels irresponsible for me as a bookkeeper to not gently shove you into using that system. You know, I think that goes back to the coaching aspect of what it is that you were talking about in that, you know, it's one thing to just code, you know, the transactions that fly through your bank account. But it's another thing, you know, to really educate, you know, someone to make the right decisions about where the money is actually going and to allocate it. You know, we're not talking about making a budget. We're not talking about, you know, like an earnings release that public uh, public companies need to do. You really just re- you really just need to understand, you know, where it's coming from and where it's going. And if you can help people, you know, visualize that and having eight bank accounts when you open up your Bank of America thing will really help you do that because you can change the name on them, right? This is my taxes account. This is my payroll account. This is my savings account. This is my profit account, right? And it's just, it makes things so much easier. I would, you know, I just tell everyone about it. And if they don't do it, then I'll say, all right, yeah, good luck. Yeah, I mean, again, it's not that you can't do it. It's just, why wouldn't you take that, you know, why would you still ride a bicycle when, you know, when you could take an airplane? to get there. Exactly. And and I feel like that's the piece that's really missing. I know we're wrapping up, but the piece that's really missing is, is small business owners saying, I don't know who to turn to, to get this question answered. You know, I I just need to know what I can afford. I understand what I'm looking at when I'm looking at my P&L, but I don't, I still don't know what to do about it. And so that was, you know, what we were sort of talking about earlier about the coach versus consultant or the, the coach sultant, as I like to say, where it's really this blend of, not just inquiring and and discovering together what your values are, which is important. But if that's not paired with strong tactical consulting work of like, great, now go do, which is one of the things I love about this podcast, right? What's what's the one tip? What's the one thing that we're going to do today that, that the theory has to be matched to action? Exactly. Thank you so much for sharing that. Ian, I really appreciate you taking the time to meet with me today and to share this knowledge with the audience. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. 